Welcome to Shoujo and Tell, where we discuss shoujo manga and tell who's hot and who's not, talk about themes, and just generally geek out. Today, August 8th, 2018, we'll be shoujo and telling about the second half of the series Banana Fish by Akimi Yoshida. So that's volumes 12 through 19. That's not exactly half. Math. It's hard. I'm your host, Ashley McDonald, and I'm joined once again by the biggest Banana Fish fan around, I'm pretty sure, Marion. Hi, Marion. <laughs> hey. I'm I'm just assuming that you are the biggest banana fish fan. Your your Twitter account is basically <laughs> banana fish fan Twitter account. Sometimes there's glass mask in there, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, I'm sure there are other people who will find me for that title, but yeah. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so I will give the immediate spoiler warning considering, you know, this is about the last like 40% of a series, so if you don't want to know what happens in the end, because we're going to go on a big rant about the, the very end, so if you don't want to hear that, don't listen to this. Um, and just a reminder that Banana Fish is available from Viz Media. They have reprinted it, so you can go get all 19 volumes if that is your jam. You can also watch the anime on Amazon. I don't recommend doing anything on Amazon, but you know you can do that if that's what you want. <laughs> Um, and just to be clear about what volumes 12 to 19 means, see, we're gonna, it's gonna be immediately spoiled, so definitely stop listening now, but, uh, <laughs> volumes 12 through 19 are basically, like, Blanca had come in at the end of volume 11, and Blanca is, like, a trained, hired assassin. He's supposed to be retired, but he's like, hey, what's up? I'll come out, <laughs> come out of retirement for you, Golzine, like, cool. And basically, Dino, the, the mafia, big mafia boss, is like, hey, we need a way to trap Ash so that he will become my adoptive son and take over the world when I'm gone. <laughs> like, take over the syndicate. And somehow that leads to, like, chase through the sewers of Manhattan and, like, literal guerrilla warfare <laughs> in the streets of New York City, uh, which Ash survives, manages to just... Manages to defeat all the bad guys, and then uh, the end happens. <laughs> and then the end happens. <laughs> uh, the shocking end. Volume 19 is more of a, is just a chapter that is the end, and then you're like, what? And then it's some nice uh, two short stories. <laughs> one before, <laughs> when he met Shorter, and then, uh, you know, one one far in the future with, with A.G. and uh, Sing. It was very nice. But, uh, what? Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to say all that yet because it'll. We'll get there. <laughs> it'll happen. Yeah. So I just wanted before we get to the because Marion, you have described this arc as being capitalized a lot. <laughs> Many yeah, times. It's, I mean, banana fish is always a lot, but this this part is just excessive. This is like a lot. You a know, lot. Banana fish standards. <laughs> I agree. After reading it, I was like, wow, okay, this happened. Um, but do you have a particular, like, whether is there a particular favorite scene or favorite aspect of these volumes that you have? Mm, 
you go first. <laughs> like, I have way too many. <laughs> like, I have so many. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> I know. I just, before we get into, like, the real hard stuff, just trying to float some easy questions. But apparently, they're still hard. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I was very touched by three scenes in particular, I think. But, you know, we, we could go on. But three scenes. Uh, I love when Ash wants the newspaper from A.G., and Ag's like, but I'm reading it. And Ash is like, you're so slow because you don't know English that well. Like, please go watch Sesame Street instead. <laughs> I was like, this is a fantastic bonding moment that you're having right now. <laughs> um, and then I think later in the same volume, you know, or like a little bit later, I don't know. Don't quote me. It's a lot of, I read a lot of manga. Uh, you know, Blanca and is like talking to Ash being like, you can't be friends with Ag," And he's like, don't tell me what to do. And he's like... It's just like a rabbit and a lynx can never become friends. And I was like, I'm crying now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that, Blanca. How dare you? (laughs) Sort of deal. Um, And then definitely another tearful moment was when Max and the other reporter guy whose name escapes me. They're like, oh, my God, Ash got the negatives to prove that there's this whole underground boys young boys are being prostituted out and all these things. And Ash proposes like, hey, instead of having to reveal some identities of some other little boys, you can just use me. I'm supposed to be dead anyway. Ash is like, yeah, so just use me. And then Max is like, no, Ash, we're going to put this far in the past. And he just like burns the negatives. And I was like, oh, Max is such a good dad. (laughs) (laughs) Those are mine. Do you yeah. have any, like, do you have, like, five? <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely agree with your favorite moments. And I will add that scene library when AG tells Ash to eat. I don't know if I can say that word here. Is that allowed? But <laughs> he he basically tells Ash to, to eat his own thing. Oh, and yeah. Then, <laughs> and then all those scenes where AG teaches Ash Japanese or that part where... Yao Si, who is the mastermind responsible for capturing Ash, actually tries to shift the blame to AG, but AG is like, nah, not today. Ash <laughs> cares about me, and I care about him, and I'm going to save him. And then even Singh is like, ha, you lost. And that was a good moment, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, so, okay, we're going to jump into themes, but first we'll do, like, a quick character check-in, like, such as, like, who is Blanca? And what is his deal? Because <laughs> uh, Blanca definitely, he is only a second half character. Uh, and he definitely has a bit of an about face. Uh, Ash manages to convince him to have a change of heart. Uh, so Blanca comes in and, you know, is a is a hardened assassin, I suppose. Very hardened assassin who is just like, I have been trained to kill my whole life. And I don't let personal feelings get in the way of my assignments. And whatever stuff like that <laughs> and but uh then you know he gives ash the whole like rabbits can't be friends with lynxes that's not that's not how animals work or whatever uh, <laughs> but then blanca like watches ash try to take down you know all the mafia and then he has a little bit he like he cares about ash he's he's letting his feelings about ash get in the way of things uh so he accepts an assignment from yao si who definitely wants Ash dead, and Blanca definitely accepts it just to be like, I will not, I will protect Ash by becoming Mm. your bodyguard. (laughs) What's up? 
And then by then he's just employed by Ash for five hundred dollars, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> 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 and he he you know sees the light. He's like, oh my gosh, rabbits can be friends with lynxes. I think that's his, <laughs> I think that's the whole emotional arc of Blanca, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and oh my god, what is with his shoulders? Like, was this always a problem in the art, and I just didn't notice? Like. But looking at his head compared to the rest of his body, I'm like, this doesn't, <laughs> this is not how bodies work. Well, it was the 90s. So <laughs> I was like, are you all going like I mean, real clamp you, here? Have you seen those 90s coats? <laughs> I mean, I just, I feel like he's the only one that like, it stands out so much. I mean, you can notice it in other characters eventually, but you know, whatever. Cool. Yeah, but he's, He's supposed to be, like, especially big. Yeah, because he's Russian. He was part of the KGB or whatever. He's, like, super muscle man or something. Yeah. (laughs) Fine, cool, whatever. It was weird. I saw the tweet of, like, somebody being like, this is all you need to know about Blanca. And it was just this very (laughs) tiny head and massive body. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get this joke now. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) Um, And then I think the... I can't really remember how many new characters, but the other significant main character is also a bad person <laughs> who does not have a change of heart <laughs> is Colonel Fox. Uh, he comes in and is like, hey, I'm supposed to be dead and I'm just an evil dude. I like fighting wars like I was just supposed to die in some other war and now I'm helping Dino. But like, what does he want me to do? Oh, I want this banana fish thing. And like, I'll just... I take pleasure in beating the crap out of Ash. It's so fun. <laughs> and all these things. Yeah, I mean, Fox is such a, a mustache rolling villain. Like, he will, total, he will totally tie damsels to the right wheels. He's just two-dimensional to me. He's literally just evil, and that's it. Yeah, he has no depth. And he his name is Fox, I suppose, to go with Ash being a lynx. Isn't it clever? Plus, foxes are, like, sly and crafty and evil or whatever yeah i get it um but i think there's a lot to say about changes in many of our main characters because they have the emotional turmoil in this arc ash in particular it was honestly distressing to see blanca come and then ash just be like oh my god i can't be blanca that's that's madness (laughs) right (laughs) like and the scene in particular where he like he's like, yeah, I'll do I'll do whatever these people want because they want to kill AG and I don't want them to kill AG. Like that's the one thing I don't really want to happen. And Yalsi is like, well, okay, Ash, like kill yourself, and then I promise like nothing bad will ever happen to AG. And Ash just takes a gun and like shoots it at his head, and it's empty. And he's like, there's and his face is just so like I'm so depressed that there wasn't a bullet in this. And I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so much because they actually toy with him before making him shoot himself, and then the look in his face—he's—it's so empty. Like he just wants to get, just wants to get everything over with, and it's so much. <laughs> I know he's like, nothing good awaits me. Please just take me out of my misery. Oh man, you wouldn't even let me do that. This is so bad. And then he—he he does get captured, basically, I guess, and he becomes anorexic, and he definitely should have died a lot of times from many things throughout this <laughs> arc. But he's a superhero, so he doesn't. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And by the end, you like think that he's in a better place, but he's not so much. 
his destiny has been written in the stars of the literary references and such throughout this manga. And for one, I thought he was going to escape, but he did not. He did not in the end. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's Sing. Like, they all go through, like, a depressive suicidal stage, I guess, is, the, <laughs> is what happens here. Uh, Sing, he's like, I know what happened, shorter, kind of, and... I want to trust Ash and his whole gang is like, no, but Ash killed Shorter. Like, we can't can't align with this dude. And they're like, why aren't you? Why aren't you in charge, Sing? Like, what's wrong? And Sing is just like, but I I can never beat Ash. Like, whatever Ash experiences towards Blanca, it's kind of like Sing experiences it towards Ash. And then he's like, Ash, let's have a duel, which they don't have. But he's like, I'm not going to kill you. Like, chill <laughs> like it was so sad to see sing go through that i'm like sing you're a pure boy i just want to give you a hug <laughs> and then yalsi real talk i don't like this guy he's just like he kind of annoys me i don't know how you feel about him look when Hajj chokes him with his own hair i actually feel vindicated <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that scene where he's like choking him with his own hair like, like okay he's he's gonna like fascinating in some way i guess but yeah he's he's so annoying <laughs> i'm just kind of like dude i get that you're the foil to ash and like you hate ag and ash because they're like oh my god you're trying to do these terrible things to me and i won't give into it and like crappy things definitely happened to yalsi like his backstory is that his brothers who is now like either killed or turned into banana fish drug uh, slaves, I guess, <laughs> like nothingness. His brothers, before that happened, had like raped and then killed his mom, which is truly awful. And, you know, because of this awful thing, Yalsi has decided to be like, well, everybody else must suffer with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody can find happiness. Not this Ash, not AG, like, screw those guys. Like, <laughs> and, you know, Blanca tries to be a nice, gentle, like, you know, maybe you should, like, there, I'm sure there's people who love you, Yalsi. Like, you should see some <laughs> happiness <laughs> in the life. And it's just very annoying that Yalsi is never willing to to see that. And I'm just like, ah, you just annoy me. I don't know. I can't articulate. It's just like, ah, you're not bad, but you're also just, like, actively trying to make people sad. And that's no good. And then there's AG and... I don't know, would you say that AG has, like, does he, what is his, I don't, I'm not as clear on what his emotional growth is. <laughs> I think there's a lot of scenes where he is put in the background and you're kind of like, what, what is AG doing right now? Like, where, where is that guy even? I don't even know. <laughs> AG, I mean, AG's deal is pretty much being Ash support. He's Ash brought. AG's arc is kind of like, stop blaming himself or... Um, for everything and just embrace that Ash truly cares about him you know we actually have a progression where he goes from questioning Ash like that's um, true yeah yeah from questioning Ash to completely believing in him and being there for him whenever it's necessary and you know in a world where everyone is sad we need more ages that, <laughs> that's all I can say it's true. AG is the shining light that Yalsi very much wants to destroy for everybody. Because <laughs> um, I think that AG is not only, is like certainly Ash's rock, but I think that he also, 
it's fun to see him interact with Ash's gang as well, uh, like Bones and Kong. Uh, they're like, oh, my God, this guy can't fight. But, like, he's cute and endearing, <laughs> I guess. Like, like we want to yeah. protect him. Boss yeah. likes him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember that part when, when Jessica comes in all angry and he's like, hi, AJ. And then she starts, like, being angry at, at Max. It's just, it's just so funny because you, you really can't get mad at this boy. He's so pure. He's so good. <laughs> yeah, everybody. He has a calming effect on everybody. And that's so nice. I guess if we're including the short story, his progression is like... Yeah, I guess it, I won't include the short story yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, definitely his progression. It's always funny because it's always wrapped up in being Japanese, but it's always like, Eiji, stop being so Japanese. Don't don't apologize anymore. Like, <laughs> it's fine. You're cool. Like, it's not your fault. Uh, we all love you unconditionally. Like, just accept it. <laughs> <laughs> and Ag like I don't, his letter to Ash at the end about how Ash is always like we come from different worlds and Ag's like we don't come from different worlds we just come from different countries and like look different that's not the same thing and I'm like you pure innocent sweet boy I love you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah pretty much those are all the main characters there are a lot of characters we could go on but like we won't we're gonna jump into some <laughs> themes. <laughs> And hopefully, you know, other characters will, like, naturally come up, maybe. Um, so the first one, that because we, we mentioned that we wanted to do this last time, is the role of women in Banana Fish. Uh, because women are few and far between, but they are definitely there and they are used for some things. <laughs> <laughs> for male characters and otherwise. I don't know if we should start with Jessica, because she is kind of the mainest one. So we'll start with more minor ones. Uh you know, there's Jennifer in the beginning was Ash's stepmom. She gets like immediately dead, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the theme of Banana Fish is that like a lot of women are either dead or like naggy. I think those are the two roles of women, kind of. And Jennifer was both. Jennifer was both like to Ash's dad being like, don't be mean to Ash, you know, like, stop being blah, blah, blah. And you, like, don't even see them be nice to each other. And then she dies and he's just like, well, that sucks. Like, I'm gonna go cover for you now, Ash, because I do love you or whatever. <laughs> but, like, yeah. and uh, I, I guess the other prominent dead one is Natasha, who was Blanca's wife, also used as a motivation to be like, I you know, once was so in love and I was in the KJ, KGB and then they, like, off my wife and now I'm just bitter and whatever. He's also, you know, a little Yowsey foil. Like, <laughs> these things could have made me bitter and I killed a lot of people, but now I see the light sort of deal. And then I guess the two, the two living ones are Nadia and Jessica. And Nadia is Shorter's sister, who is dating Charlie, which is lol. We all have many things to say about that later, but <laughs> Charlie is the <laughs> NYPD inspector. But, uh, and she's, she's kind of, she's always like, boys don't fight sort of deal, which I wouldn't consider naggy, but it's definitely like a, oh my gosh, I don't do any actual fighting and, and I don't want you to fight, but she helps by having the restaurant that she runs be sort of a, a hangout, like, secret place that they can all go or whatever. Um, and then yeah. there's... Jessica's the, the most involved, certainly. She uh, 
is a newspaper person like Max, so helps with the stories. She also carries a gun at some she shoots some people, I think. Yeah. Yeah, she kills some people. Oh, she kills some people. Yeah, Jessica's a badass. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> but also super naggy. Like, super yeah. naggy. I mean, I want to focus on the positive things first. So I think it's pretty cool that that Jessica is a single mother with a successful career. She even earns more money than, than Max. And that that's honestly very inspiring, you know. But there are so many problematic things, like, even if the point here is that even someone as courageous and strong as Jessica can get targeted by horrible people, it's honestly unsettling that the most prominent and active female character gets raped almost instantly after her introduction. And then the thing with Jennifer, besides, I mean, she gets instantly killed and we actually have to see her half-naked body being shot. And that's mm. honestly upsetting to me. I mean, it's not like we don't get a lot of violence here against men. We literally see the guts of, of some random dude. And then there are millions of panels with dudes getting shot in the head and so on. But practically every prominent character here is a man. So there's a balance. But we barely have any woman, see, any woman here. So seeing so many practically background female characters that... Are, there, are just there to scream for help or being victimized. There's that scene with that secretary who only appears to vividly cut her own neck open. And we don't really get that balance with them because we barely have any female characters. Yeah, there's certainly not a balance. And even with the... There's lots of violence committed against men where they die and there's nothing sexual. But like you get like two of the main female characters it's like ah the violence is obviously wrapped up in <laughs> sexual things and there's only like four female characters three female characters so like that's bad that's a bad ratio you know and uh i think it's also yeah. it also sucks that 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 like rape stuff the one of the most powerful scenes to me in a way that made me like kind of angry was when ash and jessica are talking jessica says you know oh my gosh i was raped and it took me like a year to recover from that because rape is horrific and everything. And Ash understands that rape is horrific. Like that's his whole deal. He is normally, he's like rape is about power and it's not about sex and all these things. Like he has, he has good tirades about rape as good tirades about rape as you can have, I guess, because it's bad. Um, but like, you know, in the end, what Ash says to Jessica, he's just like, well, you know, if I needed a year for, every time that I got raped, like, I would be dead from old age, which is, like, a powerful point to make, but it's so crummy, and especially in today's environment, where it's, like, what women struggle to speak up against is always this idea that what you suffer is not as bad as what somebody else has suffered, so therefore, like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, I shouldn't bring it up because I should be grateful that I didn't suffer as much as some other person, and that's kind of how Ash's line struck me. And I was like, oh, come on, Ash. Like, uh, that just upset me. Uh, like, a book that deals with this idea would be Not That Bad by Roxane Gay, which is, like, just a... Or it's not by Roxane Gay. She did the intro and, like, edited a series of essays from people who have been raped and how they have been taught societally that it's like, well, you know, I wasn't murdered as well, so I guess I got off easy. Or, like, I was only sexually harassed, not 
totally raped, so it's not that bad. And I'm just like, ah, no, Ash is giving in to the slippery slope here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even even if that's not the intention, it's it's. I mean, I see how you can get that from that. Can get that, and the worst part is that you can even begin to imagine how many times Ash has been abused in his life. It's a lot. I mean, yeah, that's why it's like that line is simultaneously so powerful because it's like, wow, that really conveys how many awful things Ash has gone through. But it's also just so belittling to women because Ash has a lot of moments where he's like, I know exactly what it's like to be a woman. But then whenever he talks to women, he's like pretty rude to them and stuff, you know, like, yeah, yeah, pretty like, much. Eh, do you really know how women feel, Ash? Because I feel like you don't. But OK. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be, to be fair, Ash is rude to everyone. Even to AG, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe, and I, yeah, I definitely think that Ash and AG as a as a pair are supposed to make up this like other like they they are supposed to embody different effeminate characters. Like Ash saying that he, you know, I guess the the specific scene was in the the gay club where Max was like, "Oh my God, men are touching me," and Ash is like, "Yeah, now you know how women feel about like unwanted." <laughs> sexual assault and all the and harassment and stuff because this is how it feels um so ash is definitely like this he understands yeah. it from a sexual predator perspective and then ag is supposed to be the like docile like i make you food ash i made your favorite shrimp and avocado salad for <laughs> breakfast <laughs> or whatever it is basically a housewife yeah yeah, and AG is also often like a damsel in distress. If Ash is a superhero, then AG is the girlfriend of the superhero that's always kidnapped to like get back at him and whatever. And something that I want to add about the, the gay club mm. is that I actually have mixed feelings about that scene because, I mean, the fact that Ash considers that he understands the fear that can come with being a woman and Max feeling uncomfortable at being sexualized. It's it's definitely worth to consider. But since you're mentioning the gay club, I think it's also worth to mention that the owner here was also in charge of running up little boys and I'm selling them. And after the Marvin thing, the yeah. story doesn't conflate the word gay with pedophilia anymore. But then this happens. And this dude is even married to another man. So there's a lot of very bad correlations here, especially because the context of, of this talk of understanding these fears of being assault, it's the gay club. So, yeah, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. On the one hand, it's like, oh, it's it was a nice shock moment where it was like, oh, this guy had a marriage to another man. And I'm like, but this was a, also a terrible human and you're conflating stereotypes. And I'm like, ah, I hate when everything is both good and bad all at the same time. <laughs> Why? Um, because they, they say like, they're like, yeah, they got like married in California. I'm like, that is a very, that's such a California thing to say. It's like <laughs> the dudes in the nineties got married. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So role of women in banana fish in the end, problematic, very problematic. But, uh, Jessica's cool. Like that was the moment where I was like, yes, AG is clearly the damsel in distress girlfriend is when they're in the sewers together. And Jessica's like, I just I just can't leave Max like this and then runs back. And then AG's like, I can't leave Ash like this. And then just keeps <laughs> running with her. And I'm like, yup. 
I see I see the couples right here. <laughs> this this is the clearest yeah, indication. There's another there's another moment that struck me like that. You know that part when Ash has already bought tickets to send AG and Ibe back to, back to Japan before his big fight with other but he doesn't actually has the courage to tell AG to go back and they start talking and he's like, They have a girlfriend and it comes out that there's a dead girl, another dead female character and <laughs> that Ash may or may not have love and she was basically his girlfriend and he's like um, she was killed by the people of my own world and I can't have relationships because the people from my own world will not let this happen and it reminds me of all those stereotypes where you have the, the, the superhero and the dead girlfriend and the new love interest and the hero is like no, I lost her because I couldn't protect her and I don't want to lose you, so I'm going to push you away. So for me, <laughs> that was basically that. So many so many moments that affirm their love. It's, it's so good. The next thing that I have written down was just that I... I think this will play more into when we talk about the ending as well, but I did want to... I found it very curious that, you know, basically the threat of banana fish as a drug is dropped <laughs> in the second half but the threat that it presents of, like, mind control and, like, corrupting or destroying your soul is, like, very much more heightened in this. Because, like, the reason that nobody can use the drug on Ash is because if they use it on Ash, then they give this whole explanation of how you, like, lose so much IQ points. You become, like, really dumb on the drug and all these things. And they're like, but Ash is a brilliant mind. He has a... 200 IQ or whatever. <laughs> like, he's a genius. We can't ruin him. So the whole the whole arc is basically everybody trying to control Ash. And if not, can well, they can't control him. So they're like, we have to like turn him in some way. We have to like utterly destroy him so that he like follows us and all these things. <laughs> and they're just they're just unable to do that. They can't use the drug to do that because the drug has serious flaws that they like are not even trying to fix at this point i don't think like maybe dr manarheim is doing something i don't know he's not really that present but just like uh so it's just a whole fight of ash not even like against this drug but against this idea of people trying to make him into something that he's not and he's like no i will not accept that it's a very hard fight he uh has many things to lose like soul life <laughs> AG, <laughs> like so many fronts to to fight that on, but uh, yeah, yeah. Ash is always fighting to preserve his soul, and whatever happens, he always insists that his mind and his spirit belong to him, and that's how he fights, even we other, even when others try to make him feel powerless. But I think this can go a little overboard. I mean, banana fish is always a lot. And sometimes that's very entertaining and it's kind of part of what makes this so special. But sometimes that's that's very bad. Like how more than dealing with trauma and past abuse at some point it goes out of its way to actively add immeasurable damage to its lids. Especially with Ash. Like the character of Fox itself is already bad and tiring. But then he raves Ash and I can See how, without counting the shorter spin-off, this is the part, like, the part of the story where 
Banana Fish clearly makes the point of Prey being about power mm. and wanting to hurt others and step on their dignity and their humanity rather than wanting to get laid. Because unlike the previous Predators, Fox is clearly stayed to enjoy killing and causing pain to others. And it's never even insinuated that he has any sexual preference or desire or anything. But I think the problem here is that it happens too late. Even Ash's soul has been abused at this point. It's too much. It's exhausting. Like, I'm tired. Leave me alone. I know. You're kind of like, Ash should be dead by now. Like, nobody can stand this. AG is not enough to sustain one boy on this, like, you know, sort of deal. We need more AGs. Yeah, he needs like five AGs to be able to live through this. <laughs> Um, yeah, because he, like, he becomes anorexic, and they're, like, abusing him while he's anorexic, and then sometimes he's able to stand up, and other times they're like, no, he needs a wheelchair, he's only had an IV for, like, the past 10 days, he hasn't eaten anything solid, and all these things, and I'm like, this boy is dead, like, I get what we're trying to do here, but it's a little, it's a little much, your suspension of disbelief, you need a lot of it for the 12 through 19 volumes of Banana Fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even even his soul is abused there because Dino forced him to come out with this plan that even Ash is discussed as himself, but he doesn't have any choice. You know, this plan where they have to, I don't know, I, I don't even remember what it was. It was until like going to some countries of South America and staging some sort of revolt there and sacrificing so many people. It, it made sense from a logical point of view but it was just so horrible yeah i remember that conversation i was like wow this is so technical it's like <laughs> hard to follow ash's logic and all these things and i mean that meeting to me i guess that was before he started getting really really sick and all these things but i did always wonder i mean i get why ash wouldn't want to do this because he doesn't want to have to do any terrible things to good people ever but it was always like, why doesn't Ash ever think about being like, yeah, you know what? I'll go along with you. And then when he's older and takes over from uh, Dino, he's just like, cool. Now I'm going to burn it all to the ground, suckers. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Because that will require Ash to actually deal with more abuse for right. longer. And he has had enough. We're all tired. <laughs> That's what, I'm like, I get it. Anymore. But, you know, like it could be a thought that crossed his mind once you know but as as much as i mean as smart he is he's also like a rebellious teen so yeah <laughs> that's true it's the rebellious teenager in him that's like i can't do what they say <laughs> they can't control me <laughs> i'll never i'll never kill a good person only the bad people <laughs> only the bad people <laughs> even if in the end i can't stop them but just watch me <laughs> just watch me <laughs> No, there's a point where he's like, this is so unfair. Fox wants to kill people, and here I am. I don't even want to kill anyone. Like, doesn't he want to trade places or something? And it's, it's so much. Like, yeah. I say it's funny, but it's so much. It's so much. He really should just run away to Japan. I mean, I know they would find him there, but, you know, just, like, go see it for a second. Like, then go back to America. Just hop between them all the time. Make it a little nice chase. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so as we creep closer to the ending rant, uh, my other <laughs> one of the other big themes that I had written down was 
about finding your family because there are there are many levels to this metaphor that I, I feel this manga explores with you know a lot of war war books in particular are always about like brotherhood and since they were traditionally male you know military is traditionally male and all those things hopefully it changes as more women join the military but um many stories are always about like the camaraderie and the brotherhood that you form while fighting on battlefields and trying to protect each other and like in this terrible situation it's kind of the the one thing that sustains you and since Banana Fish is like, hey, what's up? We're fighting a literal guerrilla war in the streets of New York City. Um, and gangs have always in this universe been likened to some sort of military uh, structure where, where even at some point they're like, you know, the weakness in Ash's plan is that their command structure only relies on Ash. So we just have to like disrupt <laughs> his command <laughs> structure. It'll all be good. You know, he definitely has a he he has a brotherhood with all of his uh, all of his gang members, and it's really endearing to watch how he simultaneously loves them and is like, "You're just a bunch of lugheads, and I want to protect you, you sweet innocent little boys who <laughs> society has cast off and all these things." Yeah, and I think that it's you know it's endearing because it it crosses cultures and like races and all these things, and I think the problem with Yasi, I think it's in direct contrast to Yasi's problem in that, you know, Yasi's biological brothers were awful and he's like, brotherhood has betrayed me and all these things. And that's just because he didn't go out and find a better family. Found families are always better than biological families. That's not always true, but like, it can be. <laughs> yeah. Find your family. And I think finding your family is also very present with Ash because he has at least three father figures. Uh, you know, there's his biological dad, which who we see in the earlier volumes, and he's a bit of a hard ass, but, you know, his heart is in the right place. He does not maybe express it in the nicest words. And then Dino does legally adopt Ash in these volumes to become his successor to the Mafia, um obviously he's a sucky dad he sucks the most because he's abusive and evil and that's that's <laughs> no good uh and then there's best dad max <laughs> <laughs> who ash chooses to be his dad sort of as like it's a thing that they're doing earlier in the volumes as a way to like get a bunch of money and like buy apartments and all these things because ash is like too young to buy penthouses and such you know so he needs he needs a fake a fake daddy and uh, i believe <laughs> he he says things like what's up daddy -o, and all those silly things <laughs> because he's great <laughs> um, but we all know that ash it really is like uh, max i wish that you were my dad and max is an actual dad he has a son michael whom he does care about doesn't see very much but <laughs> does care about that that child very much and i am very endeared to the max and ash relationship <laughs> yeah and i think it's also pretty interesting how the story emphasizes how the main antagonist all wants something out of ash like dino is someone who measures human word by the level of competency they have in things he's interested in and ash excels in that sense and the fact that the fact that Dino is the one who gave him the resources to achieve that makes him feel entitled 
to own and mold Ash however he wants and he kind of wants Ash to become his prince of darkness or whatever <laughs> yeah and, uh, <laughs> and then Yao Xi who has been abused and see all the things he has in common with Ash resents that only Ash could find genuine love so he wants Ash to become just as cruel and empty and him and there's Blanca, who at the beginning, yeah, Blanca is not very sane. And at the beginning, he goes, <laughs> he even goes against Ash just to see, just to see how far Ash can go. And there's Fox, who literally wants to use Ash to dominate the world or whatever, you know. And meanwhile, the people like Max and Ag, who love Ash unconditionally, I mean, they love Ash unconditionally, and that's one of the reasons Ag is so important to Ash, like. All he wants is for us to stay alive and safe. Like, that's literally all he wants. And then Max, who's willing to go through a lot of hardships for Ash's sake. And even Ash Biological Dad. I feel like Ash Biological Dad kind of gave up when things got tough, but got tough, but Max didn't. Hmm. Yeah. I just really love... Definitely this unconditional love thing is the thing that Ash is like, oh my god, this is what love is supposed to be, and <laughs> all these things. Like, I see the light, and I guess he has a nice little friend relationship like that with Shorter, where they're just like, we're just buddies, and then and all these things. I just find it really powerful that Ash, you know, in... And, well, first, I love that Max does many things to the... Like, what Max does is put himself in positions where he's like, I've given up everything for you, Ash, basically. Like, he's like, I am i can't see my family because they're in danger because I'm helping you. Uh, I've given up. You told me to give up the, the materials from the story uh, that we were writing to protect AG, and I gave them to you without even questioning. <laughs> he, he burns the negatives of, you know, the secretive pictures of Ash being abused by older men when he was a child um, and all those things and I'm just like Max is great and I just love the reverse of like Ash being the child who chooses his dad after having two dads who were like like because his biological dad I think he just wasn't capable of taking care of Ash like he was like well my power is limited and this is how much I can love you and Ash was like that's not good enough and Max, on the other hand, is like, I'll do anything to prevent this from happening and all these things. And I'm like, Max, Max is good. Yeah, Max is so good. Um, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to say about family? I think Eva is also pretty good dad <laughs> to AD and to Ash. Oh, that's true. Throw Eva in there. Yeah, I mean, he kind of disappears in the second half, but... Yeah, he's just like, oh, where's Max? Oh, where's AG? Okay, they're still alive. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Took AG to the hospital, like, watched over him. eBay is definitely a one who's like, I'm in over my head. I feel like he's like, I'm in over my head, but unlike Ash's biological dad is, is kind of like, but I'm going to keep trying. Like, I keep coming back and fighting the good fight for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think that the the next point that I wanted to make does go with family because I think there's there's many bonds that are made through food, and I love the use of food in this manga because I feel like 
it adds a lot of levity to the, this very extreme situation. It's like, oh, they're not superhuman. They actually do eat sometimes. That's good to see. <laughs> <laughs> they, they take rest. Like, Ash sleeps for two hours sometimes. How nice. Um, <laughs> it's also used for just, like, humor of AG being like, wake up, eat the food that I made you. Like, come on. But it is also just very good at showing the different cultures and bringing them all together because Ash and AG's whole food shtick is kind of like, there's one point where they go to the library and Ash is like, yeah, come on, let's go get food. And AG's like, no, not hot dogs again. Anything but hot dogs. Let's go get some real food like ramen. <laughs> and Ash is like, oh, you think this is, you think ramen is good food but hot dogs like bad okay sure <laughs> sure ag um and there's lots of the natto did come back and i uh i loved it very much <laughs> because <laughs> ash was like man people in japan cannot like this and ag is just like it's true Mo like there's plenty of people in japan who don't like this and all these things and there was a good scene where ash's gang is you know like the chinese Sing, Sing's gang and uh, his Chinese buddies are with Ash's gang and they're still in contention. The, that contention really never goes away, but the Chinese gang is like, here, eat some real food for once, y'all. Like, stop with your hamburgers and ketchup and whatever nonsense you normally <laughs> eat and have some chow mein. And they're like, hmm, this is pretty good and stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's just, it's nice to see them be like, oh, we are like sharing in a cross culture through this food. They're literally taking it into their bodies and being like, now we are, we are one gang. <laughs> we, we share a love <laughs> of chow mein and whatever. And a hate of <laughs> natto. <laughs> I love that they're, uh, yeah, they're, there's just so many good scenes where they're always humoring AG too. Like AG's like, isn't it good? And they're like, it's all right. And he's like, Arr. and they're like, well, we didn't say it was bad, AG. Like, calm down. <laughs> it was good. Um, and I guess oh, oh, the, the last point that I wanted to make was that Ash having anorexia is also like plays really well into that because it's just, you know, he'd been he'd been being sustained by AG and his weird Japanese food and whatever and like hanging out with the Chinese gang and like eating at Shorter's restaurant that serves as a front for their gangs and all these things. And then the thing that shows how much he's lost connection with uh, everything that sustains him is a literal anorexia. <laughs> Uh, which is, like, weird and problematic, but, you know, I'm like, all right, thematically, I'll, I'll accept it. Yeah, and following that point, it's interesting how when they rescued Ash, there's a scene where A.G. hits up some, hits up some canned food, and Ash is like, I can't, I can't remember when was the last time I had something oh, this yeah. good. Or there, there's a scene that shows how different cultures can clash, but it also, it also shows connection you know, when AG makes that, that food in Japanese style and, and Ash boys are like, this is funny. What is this? And yeah. AG's like, how dare you? And Sing goes, nah, forget it, AG. White people can appreciate real food. Just give, just give them some ketchup and vitamins or whatever. Yeah. And then, I forgot about the vitamin Ash, jab. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. And then Ash interrupts to say that he likes the way AG prepares the food. And everyone kind of stops because... It comes out of nowhere. Ash is not even eating. He's working. But when you look at it as a way to to reaffirm connection, it makes sense. 
and it's not the first time that Ash expresses that he likes how that he likes Ag's cooking either. So yeah, yeah, it's the thing Ag's cooking, the thing that brings all the gangs together, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> brings racial harmony to the streets of New York. See, it's good, it's good stuff. <laughs> okay, so we have finally reached like. We've said a lot about this arc in general, but uh, so before we get to the very, very end, it's like, how do we feel about this arc being a lot? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, were you still into it? Do you think it's as good as the first half or like? I think the last few volumes are just too distressing to be enjoyable, like. I think the middle part of Banana Fish does a better work balancing that madness and the painful parts and the comedy, but this part is is just too much. I mean, after the museum, it just gets so distressing, like not even the fights are that interesting anymore because we're all suffering and in pain and we're going to die. Stop. It's too much. Yeah. So, yeah, it never stops. (laughs) It never stops. Yeah, I think it's just, like, there are too many very large fights. Like, I think the last volumes that we ended on were, like, Ash had blown up a mansion and all these things. And I was, like, I felt like with that, there was the proper amount of news response to it. There was, like, a clear death toll. Like, they kept saying, like, a dozen people have been killed and all these things. And I was, like, okay, I feel like that was shown as something that was very, very extreme and had extreme repercussions but then this arc is like okay and now we're having a shootout in the natural history museum in new york and like <laughs> nobody comes to stop that and i'm like uh i don't know like i don't know about this <laughs> like yeah it gets it gets too excessive yeah and another problem here i think is that banana fish is full of big fights so when you are so when you're so full of big fights, how do you do your final, final fight? You know, Right. And it has to keep getting more and more ridiculous, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it doesn't deliver at all. Like, I basically skimmed through those pages because I just can't get engaged. It just, it doesn't deliver. I don't care about Fox. Nothing here. I mean, I'm not seeing anything new here. And the way Dino and Fox die, they, they, all, they all get off too easily. It's just, nah, it doesn't deliver. Yeah, I agree. I definitely started, like, skimming the fights. I was like, yes, Ash is doing his weird, like, shooting to the side pose, like he's James Bond or something. And <laughs> some other guy is getting shot in the head by it, and, like, now they're dead. And, like, I get it. Okay, just keep flipping pages here. And, yeah, Fox isn't a compelling villain, so it's just kind of like, eh, sure. And I don't there's... They're, like, in a building. They're supposed to be helicopters. It's just... I think after the sewer fight, I was like, okay, I buy this, like, they're fighting in the sewers thing. That's stretching my imagination, but, like, fine. I can agree that you're fighting underground and people just, like, die in the sewers. Fine. But everything after that, I was just like, I don't know. I can't. My brain is like, it's too much. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I think Banana Fish is longer than it, than it should and it gets repetitive. And it's th- that combination of being repetitive and being just so distressing is just not good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what I like, <laughs> the funny thing about the sewer thing 
is that I kept being like, how are they not getting massive infections, though, from like swimming <laughs> in awful water? They're like, yeah, just jump in and swim. Oh, we swallowed some water. It's cool. It's fine. We'll be fine. I'm like, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> you guys are like have so many diseases right now. It's not even funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And I assume that, you know, it suffered the thing that it was like, this is a popular manga. It must keep going and just mm. keeps going into repetitive land yeah but yes so now we will get to the thing that everybody really wants us to talk about and i will put it in a question corner <laughs> but uh i will do these first two as one thing since i i feel that they are interrelated <laughs> but at lizzie visistanti Sorry if I said that wrong. I'm bad at pronouncing things. <laughs> on Twitter said, <laughs> I just want to hear Marion's long detailed rant about the ending. Or don't we all? Okay. But first <laughs> we have a specific question about the ending, which is from at Zawa113CJ on Twitter. It's just like, why do you think that Ash just accepts at the end that he got stabbed and is going to go die? He just like goes back to the library and dies because... And they're like, he probably could have gotten some help, but didn't. And step, stepping back a second here, what happens is that in the end, you know, Ash has beaten all of these bad guys. He has beaten, like, he's converted Blanca to his side, basically. He's killed, like, Dino and Colonel Fox. And, like, Yaosi is having, like, a moment, like, whatever. He knows he's he's no good. <laughs> he's accepted defeat or whatever. And, uh... <laughs> All the other gangs, like, accept him and all these things, except for Singh's brother, who is still hung up on how Ash killed Shorter and is like, I can't accept that this guy is going to be the leader of downtown and all these things. So I was genuinely shocked after reading volume 18 and it ends with, like, yeah, it's all good. Like, Eiji's going back to Japan. He's fine. He survived. He's recovered from his, his wound. And, like, Ash is good. He defeated all these bad guys. I was like, Wow. You know, with all these Hemingway and Salinger and just, like, queer stories, like, I just wouldn't expect both of them to survive. And then volume 19 only has one, like, chapter that is the end. And it is that he he dies at the very end. Because Singh's brother comes and Ash is reading a letter from A.G. It's a very touching letter. Um, it It has a ticket to go to Japan in it and Ash is reading it so of course his guard is down because he only lets his guard down guard down around AG or whatever and then Singh's brother manages to stab Ash and Ash like also wounds him after that but like it's even said that it wasn't like Ash is like you didn't hit any of my vital organs but then Ash decides not to seek help and why is that, Marion? Why? <laughs> let's let's ignite ignite the rant now. <laughs> Look, I'm sure there is someone out there who can think like in a very poetic explanation or anything, but this just comes down to wanting to kill Ash and that's it. That's it. That's literally it. Like the intention was there and it will have happened in one way or another. <laughs> Ash was gonna die and that's it. And this is not the entire context, but one way I can really understand this ending is from the perspective of another taking things from media that cause a, a strong impact on them and then exploring or reprodu- reproducing these things in, in their own works. And in that sense, Yoshida has said that the 60s movie Midnight Cowboy was a huge influence on her. And I can honestly see that 
in my nana page and sometimes this is good sometimes it's bad and sometimes it hurts and yeah maybe watching that movie can help understanding some things better here yeah i mean from my perspective because i don't actually know this movie but like and i don't know all the history you know i'm just i'm just a schmuck reading banana fish (laughs) um (laughs) but for me it was like okay i mean from the get-go i was like okay i mean this is named after a salinger story in which a dude kills himself and it makes frequent references to hemingway who's obsessed with like fatalism and all these things i was like well there's no way it can end up happy what what disappoints me is just that it's so unsatisfying the way that he dies right it's like i don't i'm fine with him dying like you could see that coming a million miles away from many different reference points throughout the story but just like why why not have made it so that like fox and him both destroy each other or something i don't know it's just like it's so distressing to have it be like oh this little stab wound and I guess she's trying to say something of like Ash chooses to die then, right? Like because he could have yeah. gotten help. Yeah, and like I knew that he was gonna die. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't shocked. I was angry. I literally threw things when I, <laughs> I reached that part. I'm not even joking. I was so angry. And the more I think about the ending, the more I hate it. Oh yeah? Yeah. Look, I'm not saying that Ash will have lived a happily ever after if he had lived like no way. I'm sure it will have been hard and ugly, but at least he will have have that freedom to finally live his own life and find a way to live, which is the whole reason why he fell in the first place. And maybe also at home for the things he did because he does feel guilty too. The fact that Lao is the one that who kills him gives me this impression of wanting to show this as karma or something. Mm-hmm. But it's so frustrating because we have plenty of killers here who get off just fine, like Blanca, who, regardless of how he lives, he's literally a nasty scene and still get all these his fancy vacations and whatever. And then they're seen who briefly appears in other words that are kind of in the same universe Hmm. as Banana Fish. So we know that this dude gets married, has children, and becomes a powerful individual and keeps killing a lot of people. So it's hard to take this as karma or as payback or pay for what you have done argument seriously. And it's not like the dead can atone for what the living did, you know. I really hate this message that such a young and abused boy who will have have a support network and people who love him and support him if he la- if, if he leave but instead he finds peace in that it's like you're not more than the abuse and the trauma and you're not even worth the struggle because he dies way before even getting that chance and A's letter is fine I like the letter but I hate that that's the thing that is as the excuse for Ash's death. Like, it doesn't only reaffirm that love does destroy you. It's like, there wasn't anyone in the world that loved him more and wanted, and wanted Ash to live more than A.G. Literally no one wanted that more. And there are so many scenes dedicated to just A.G. expressing how much he wants Ash to live. And 
it wasn't enough to make sure that almost a decade later, Eiji is still broken and grieving. It's not enough to show us and literally tell us that Eiji will always belong to Ash and will never ever be able to forget him. The story actually goes out of its way to make sure he also hates himself and blames himself for what happened. And honestly, this is without even getting into so many other things like how cheap and underwhelming the actual scene feels after all we've been through. Yeah. After every impossible thing this boy has done, this boy could have killed God and I would have believed it, you know? Yeah. And, he's, and he survived. And then this is how he dies. Are you kidding me? It's so much. Like, I get that some people like tragedy and that's the reason that some people like this ending. But... I hate it so much, so much. It hurts, and besides being such a tired tragedy, when you contemplate every unfortunate implication here and all that damage that's done, regardless of whether or not it was intentional, it honestly gets disturbing to me. This voice is her better. Yeah, I mean, I am a lover of tragedy, but I still think that this ending is very cheap and underwhelming and, like, angering as well, because... It just comes out of like, yeah, it's like you defeat so many things in this one little thing. And I hate that it's like, oh, yeah, AG's letter is the thing that's blamed. And it's like, but Ash is always the one who tells AG to be like, it's not your fault, AG, and all these things. And then for that to be the thing that, you know, keeps AG trapped forever and like blaming himself is terrible. And I'm like, I don't want Ash to have done that and all these things. Yeah, I, I guess I was trying to like think of how I justified it in my mind just to make it, you know, acceptable. But it just it just isn't really. It's kind of like Ash's I mean, we're told earlier in the story that Ash is already has been pronounced dead at some point in the story. So like everybody thinks that he's already dead. And I mean, I guess technically he would have to be brought up on to be persecuted for something. So he'd probably go to jail, maybe. Like, I don't know. Everything gets loosey goosey in the banana fish world after volume know, like 14. I, yeah. And that, here's the thing you can't really apply logic here because honestly, if this story wanted Ashley, it will have fine away. I mean, we have seen all sorts of impossible things here. Like, it's pointless to try to apply logic now. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I guess mostly what I disagree with in the end is like, yeah, you set it up to be a fatalistic story. Just like the execution of it is so poor and for all the reasons that you've already said. So I'm just like, uh, I want my, I want my <laughs> tragedy to be better than this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the problem with getting so invested in characters that are doomed. <laughs> yeah. I just want them to have a good doom, though. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. I don't know. Do we have any other feelings about the ending? Mm, no. <laughs> it doesn't exist to me. That it doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. <laughs> we, no. Ash is still alive in our minds. Ash gets the letter, and he goes running, and the manga suddenly stops. I don't know about your copy, but it stops there. <laughs> I don't know. He gets on a plane to Japan and him and Eiji, and he finds Eiji <laughs> in Tokyo or something. Like, it's open ending. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's and then it's done. He just he ends up in Tokyo, and you're just like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know if he finds Eiji there. It's all good. 
Uh, Eddie is not even from Tokyo, though. He's from Izumo or something. Oh, yeah, he's from Izumo. <laughs> so he has to go there and then find Eiji. See, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you got to start in Tokyo, though. There's no, like, good international flights from the U.S. to other cities. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have another question from Twitter. Well, it's two questions from the same person. Um, and it's from at Zusayu on Twitter. And it is just, it's an easy one, I think. Uh, who is your favorite character other than Ash and Eiji? Easy for you. <laughs> easy for me. Okay, you want me to go first since it's easy for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like the other gang leaders in Kane and Sing. I especially, I think Kane is like, the way that he speaks is so good. I love everything yeah. he says. The way he says, he's so yeah. clever and funny and i'm just like i love you you are i want to be your bro friend like <laughs> seriously <laughs> and he's so cool yeah and then sing is like he at least before the the side story is very small and scrappy and like uses his street smarts to become leader but he's also like very empathetic and aware of his of his shortcomings and all these things and i'm like sing you're a good dude and he's he's he has that he has some remnant of innocence in that he's like, I don't know the full story of why, of how yeah, Shorter has um, died. I really like Kane and Small Saint too. And, but I can't really pick like a favorite character because there are so many characters here that are interesting or engaging in different ways, like Max or Blanca or Jaoxi. So I can't really pick. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't pick. Obviously, I'm going to pick Max for you. Max is your favorite character. Because he is a good boy. <laughs> and this is more a question for you, since I have not presently watched any of the anime, since I boycott Amazon for all things. But the question <laughs> is, which scene do you look forward to seeing in the anime the most? Well, okay. So by the time of this recording, five episodes had aired and... There are just way too many scenes that I want to see, so I'm going to pick the ones that are closer to what's happening now. And I'm looking forward to <laughs> to seeing Ash burning mansions to the ground and rescuing AG and then oh. being idiot boys with him. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. How far has it gotten through five episodes? Let's do a little anime check-in right now. Like, how is the anime doing? Is it is it good? Is it... <laughs> Next episode, they're going to be in Ash hometown, so it's going to be a very harsh episode. Oh, yeah. Jennifer's going to get dead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> but generally, is it is it good? Has it kept up its goodness through five episodes? I think the anime has a different appeal from the manga, but it also captures banana fish essence very well. Like, it's a lot. You blink it and you miss it. You have to be, you have to be there, and the episodes end before you even realize, and you want more. Like, and and we all suffer. So yeah, it's it's definitely the banana fish essence. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm basically writing weekly about the anime. I'm writing about every single episode, so I definitely have a lot to say about the yeah, anime. Yeah, you can yeah. go find those <laughs> writings online. You can hear all about the anime. <laughs> okay, let's. Do some lighter things. We didn't do a quiz last time. I do like to do my silly quizzes. A love quiz <laughs> doesn't really make sense for this episode. But uh, so I've picked a leadership quiz. 
I guess we can take it as Ash, since he is, you know, he's a good leader. Yeah, that that's basically the thing that draws everyone to Ash, even the other leaders. Like, he's a good leader and he's strong and whatever. Yeah, he's a super. He's like the most leader of leaders. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this quiz is just, what kind of leader are you? It's from The Guardian. The, the subhead is, historically, leaders have been mavericks, morons, and at times, mystical. <laughs> Ash is at least two of those things. <laughs> so take our quiz and find out your leadership style. Your leadership style being Ash's leadership style. Okay, so let's go. So the first question, or statement, it's more of a statement, but sure, let's <laughs> it is just, it is Monday morning. You start the day with, one, a bioactive, multi-organic, gluten-free digest fest. Ah, that's a lot of words. It had a lot of dashes. <laughs> Two, black coffee and a vitamin pill. Who needs food in 2014 and now 2018? That's right. It's even more relevant. <laughs> Three, greasy cutlery and a sense of guilt. Four, porridge, the Ron Seal of breakfast. It, it does what it says on the packaging. Hmm. What does... Ash is like a snobby food eater, though, right? Like, he's like, I eat shrimp and avocado salad or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, like, like, he's always making his breakfast. So, definitely, he's definitely eating well. Yeah. So, I'd, I th actually think it has to be the bioactive, multi organic, gluten free thing <laughs> is the best <laughs> fit for that. <laughs> it's definitely not greasy food or whatever, or porridge. And he's not he's not a vitamin man. I'm I'm going with bioactive multi-organic for lack yeah. of a better choice. <laughs> okay. Second second statement question thing. You're stuck in a meeting more tedious than tinnitus. Tinnitus? It's one of those. <laughs> Do you take the initiative and reframe the meeting objectives to zone out and put your giant brain into stasis? Three. Use the time to mentally tick off your to-do list. Four, openly draw an organogram? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> which which sacks the person droning on. I will definitely take the initiative. Yeah, obviously. Come on. Okay. Three, in a nutshell, you are one, first among equals. Two, you don't fit in in a nutshell, but you do eat nuts. <laughs> three a swan legs a go-go come on top <laughs> what it's like the swan is what you see on top it's it's like an iceberg you know the swan is calm on top okay, but working okay. really hard on the bottom i guess and then four a crystal parentheses multifaceted <laughs> as will definitely be compared to a crystal yeah he because he's not first among equals. Nobody's equal to Ash. Ash is a badass. <laughs> like, <laughs> he does fit in. Everybody loves him. He is pretty. I don't know. I could be convinced of Swan. But we're going with Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> um, an admin oversight means you are giving a speech in 30 seconds. So you are thrilled. You live for moments like this. Two. Open with a quirky antidote. In a blatant bid to buy time. Others. Things. It's so hard when they're statements. Three. Can barely speak. You feel like you've eaten a sack of cotton wool balls. It's definitely not that one. Four. 
elegantly hand off to an equally ill-prepared colleague. Okay, it's not that one either. Uh, I think it has to be the the first one. Are thrilled you live for moments like this. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think Ash needs to buy any time. He's just like, I'm always on point. Like, I'm Ash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question five. Statement five is, it's a stationary apocalypse, so you, one, implement an immediate paper-free policy and pretend it's intentional. Two, go to Ryman's on your lunch break. Three, steal your intern intern's moleskine notepad. <laughs> Four, know who's hoarding the post-its and publicly shame them. That, <laughs> that one? <laughs> right. that one. <laughs> He's crabby. I get it. Okay. Good, good choice. Because I was like, hmm, it's, it's kind of hard. Uh, none of them really stick out to me. So we're going with that one. <laughs> Six, you've had a bad day, so you cope by, one, listening to your favorite power ballads, two, hitting the bottle on a school night, three, practicing mindfulness, four, cladding yourself in lycra and being, quote, active. <laughs> you know, one of my greatness, sadness here is that Banana Fish, it's set, it's set in the 80s, but no one ever listens to 80s music. Like, oh, come on. that's come true. On. That's, that's a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think it has to be the first one, though. Yeah. Listening to favorite power ballads. Like, I think... I want Ash to now be listening to 80s music. In my fan fiction, Ash listens to 80s music and <laughs> rocks out and yeah. gains power <laughs> from it. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay, seven. The office is on fire, so you save one, your colleagues, two, your that. dog. <laughs> yeah, right. Do we need to read the other ones? We're gonna, <laughs> just so you know what the other bad options are. <laughs> two is your dog. Yes, you bring it to work. <laughs> Three, nothing. There's no need. You have implemented an effective fire safety policy. Four, your engraved fountain pen. No, it's just your colleagues. Let's just, we're just clicking that one. This it's is banana facial, so there's definitely gonna be a, a fire. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, Ash has actually already done this, and it was your colleagues. Like, let's be true. <laughs> let's be true here. Eight is... If you had a spare ticket to a black tie event, you'd invite, why isn't AG an answer? But one, your current <laughs> online dating conquest. Two, an annoying yet important client. Three, no one. You, fly, you like to fly solo, network, and leave after the starter. Four, oh. your hardest working member of staff as a thank you. Well, I think your current online dating conquest is the closest that comes to AG. So I'm going to I'm gonna click that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not perfect, but you know, I think it's the closest. <laughs> Nine. An officer overdid it at the Christmas party, so you, one, pretend it never happened and treat them with other professionalism. Two, save it up as ammunition for their leaving. Three, bring it up at every given opportunity. Four, give them an official warning. I think it's save it up as ammunition. Yeah, definitely. Drop it at a very critical moment. And Ash is like, I got you. <laughs> yeah, Ash has definitely done that. Yeah, right? It's just blackmail. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ten. In a word, people think you are, one, terrifying, two, that. friendly, <laughs> right? Three, charming, four, radical. Radical is also a good option, though. Yeah. I don't know. I think people are always compare him to literally Satan, so... <laughs> it's true. I mean, the short story with 
Shorter is all about how Shorter is like, eh. He looks pretty, but also his eyes, they're so scary, you know? <laughs> so terrifying. Okay. Submit answers. So I guess the description of Ash as a leader is, you believe in people power and pre prefer to observe, plot, and then conquer. Yes, I think that's Ash. I think that that is correct. <laughs> we did well. <laughs> I think that is exactly what he did with by uniting all the gangs and then being like, we will run around New York City and they think they will have us, but they never will. <laughs> like, <laughs> divide and conquer them. <laughs> so we did it. Okay, now... Now it's the the most important most important segment shipping corner. <laughs> we, you know, I feel like this whole podcast has just been building up to shipping corner, but of course we're going to save the big the big ships for last. There aren't actually that many ships. We're going to save the big one for last. We all know who we're talking about. Um, but so how do you feel about Charlie having dated shorter sister Nadia? Well, I do think it's nice. I mean, he seems like a supportive dude. He's in a, he's in like a nice boy. But something that bothers me is that Nadia is never her own person. Like she's always shorter sister, and then she's mm. Charlie's lover. And then there's a there's this conversation with Max and even when they're like, yeah, Charlie boy needs someone who who can take care of him and. It's like, does Charlie know a needs a mother or a wife? He can, he can have both. So, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, he needs one of them, though. <laughs> I think I'm like, yeah, seeing them, I'm like, it's cool. They seem to be happy and they make each other happy and they like each other. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. I guess I was just taken aback by it when it initially happened. I was like, I did not expect this. I thought, aren't they, yeah, like, it comes out of nowhere. different in age? Like, I'm so confused. Aren't they, isn't there, like, a conflict of interest in this relationship? I, I don't understand. But, like, they seem cool, like, generally. I do agree about Nadia. Uh, I definitely just described her as shorter sister. Like, that's, that's her whole thing, right? Like, she's not given her own personhood, which is a tragedy, but... Spin-off manga that is Nadia as the main character. Nadia and Jessica go on adventures. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I would read that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, same. So speaking of Jessica, then we have Max and Jessica. Do we like them as a couple? I think they definitely need to talk, like, a lot. But at some point, I kind of started rooting for them. I don't know. I don't know. They're always just so mean to each other, right? Like, they have some moments where they're apart and they're like, I missed you so much. But then it immediately goes back into them being like, ah, you pissed me off so much, right? Yeah, like, I don't know if they will get along well after everything is done. So, yeah, I don't know. I know. Yeah, it's kind of like, did this whole fighting a gruel warfare in the streets of New York City bring them closer together or tear them farther apart? It seemed to have actually brought them closer together. Brotherhood right there, except love. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's not going to solve all their problems, so, yeah. I know, they have a lot of problems, but, like, Michael turned out okay, I guess. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess that worked out for them in the end. I think that, I hope that they became, like, a powerful, like, journalist couple or something you know <laughs> they were like peak 
journalists of their time and they became partners on stories and they shared bylines and everything. I'm like, that would be fun. Yeah, that, that would be cool. And then, all right, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this one that's in a side story first because it was dropped at the very end, but I don't want to talk about the big, the big ship until the very end. So we, we are presented with Akira and Sing. Let's talk about this side story for a hot second, actually. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I know. Okay, wait, actually, let's. <laughs> so I okay, yeah. had written in notes. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to finish this, uh, the, the side stories on the bus. And Marion just wrote back notes to me being like, don't read Garden of Light in a public place. You'll just like sob uncontrollably. <laughs> and I was like, it's OK. I've, I've, you know, sobbed uncontrollably in public before. It's fine. And then, like, <laughs> so Garden of Light takes place in the future where... It's supposed to be like 10 years later? I don't know. Some, some, yeah, it's like 8 or... eight or 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Eiji is 28 or something like that. And he was 19 at the beginning of this manga. Eiji is now a fancy photographer man. He has come back to New York. At first he didn't know that Ash died at the end of the manga. But, you know, he comes back to New York, finds out Ash dies, stays there. Uh, Singh is also dealing with repercussions of his brother having killed Ash. Um, yeah, AD basically surrounds himself by Ash. He goes to New York. He, even his profession, I mean, he takes photography, but his subjects are all somehow connected to Ash. So, yeah, he's successful and all, but it's a lot. <laughs> uh, yes, he's successful, financially famous, but, you know, his soul is crushed. Um, he's dealing with some stuff. So him and Singh are sort of like, they're buddies. They hang out a lot. Singh has become, he's like a student, but he's also a trader. He seems to be doing good. He's become very tall. He's very handsome. <laughs> he's a cool dude. They hang, he hangs out with AG a lot. They're both like, he talks to a computer. He talks to Ash's computer, who he just refers to as Ash. It's a little weird. It's fine. Singh, he's, he's got some stuff to work out. <laughs> the, they're, they're all grieving. Yeah, they're all grieving in their own way. That's <laughs> AG hides all the pictures pictures of Ash that he ever took and and <laughs> Singh talks to Ash's computer. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> They're good. Yeah, uh, and AE avoids a lot of places like he can't even oh, yes. see the, the public library. He can't go to the library. How I say that this is all so much because it's so much. <laughs> it's, it's so much. And the framing of this story is told through AG's niece, uh, Akira coming to visit New York and uh, meeting Sing and Eiji and seeing their day-to-day -day life and learning about Ash and all these things. But at the end, it is suggested that <laughs> Akira maybe has a thing for Sing and he's like, come back <laughs> 10 years later or whatever and we, we can be a thing. <laughs> Which is funny because honestly, I was like, is this manga implying to me that Sing and Eiji are a thing now? Because I definitely got that vibe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never got that vibe because I I could <laughs> see what I could see what they were doing with Akira, so mm. I never got that vibe. But the um, Sing and Aji's relationship it's definitely very close, very intense, and Sing cares a lot about Aji and he feels guilty and he wants to take care of him and all that stuff. Then the Akira thing happens. She's like thirteen, but. It's implied that she will be the the, the love interest of Sin, who's a grown-up man. And they actually get married after that, when she's 18. 
Really? I think. Yeah, she's around 18. I mean, she's barely legal and they get married. And yeah, that happens. Oh, no. Okay. I guess that's... I mean, okay, so yeah, it's that she's 13 and he's 23 and they joke that he's like, well, in however many years, seven years or whatever, I'll be 30 and you'll be 20 and then it's fine. I'm like, yeah, I guess, but to talk about it now <laughs> isn't like, <laughs> like, yeah, when you're both adults, you know, that, that 10 year age gap gets less and less important as you age. But when one of you is 13, it's a little, it matters. Yeah. yeah. It matters. Calm down. <laughs> like, it, it's very uncountable. Like it would have been cute if this has been framed like a brother sister relationship and maybe with time when they were actually both adults something happened but that's not how it goes yeah yeah and i mean even though i did get a little bit agey um sing vibes for a second there i was like well i know this isn't real because like ag's one true love is ash obviously (laughs) (laughs) and i don't think that this manga would pull pull them like bonding over the grief of ash to be like a love thing but yes, Ash and Ash and Ag, how OTP forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, for me, the the relationship between Ag and Ash, it's the heart of Banana Fish. It's not the the main plot. It's maybe not the most important part, but it's definitely the beating heart of this story. Yeah, and I mean that's especially interesting considering in the second half, I swear that there are scenes like whole plot points where ag is not really that present because he's like not with ash right like so or even if he is it's kind of just like he doesn't have a task to do and everybody else is doing stuff um but i mean there can't be banana fish without like how would ash know to rebel against the terribleness if he hadn't met ag and how would ag know I don't. I guess Ag is like ah. Uh, I, I see past. I see the power of unconditional love. What it can I, do and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I think I think this is a lot more subtle. But I think that what Ash does in Ag it bring out his strength and his courage because before Ag comes to the states, he was a pole vaulter, and he got he was injured and has to leave that, and he was extremely depressed. And then when AG first starts to get involved in Ashworth, we get all those lines where everyone is like surprised of the things AG does. Like he's normally not like that. He's very shy. He's very timid. So, and Ash definitely brings out brings out of AG things that he wouldn't normally have. Yeah, AG, uh, you know, definitely just gains some sort of backbone and like learns both like his worth and his strength you know he learns to shoot a gun and all these things he's like i don't want to use this and he's not good at it but he can do it and i think that that is one of the most important lessons humans generally can learn about themselves is like yeah things are painful and hard and you won't probably be the best at them and all these things but like you can do them and you will be stronger for the the attempt (laughs) Yeah, and there's also those things you say in Garden of Light about having seen the darkness and the light and loving them equally, which it's actually a reference of how much he loves Ash, but it also can be seen as his way of 
learning the harshness in the word, but still remaining pure and innocent at heart at, and in his heart and, you know, that kind of stuff. I know. It's so... I really wish in Garden of Light we had gotten more... Maybe I'm misremembering, but I wish that we had gotten more of Ag also hanging out with more than just Sing. Like, I wish that like Bones and Kong were there too, and all these things just to show how they all grew up so nicely and everything. Yeah, but it was more important to be in pain and distress, so <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> Gosh darn it! I know it's so annoying that it's like on one hand it's like Ash choosing to die. Ash didn't kill himself, but he chose to die, basically. And in some ways, I think that's supposed to be Ash being like, I took control of my life. Like, I did it. I did everything I set out to do, and I feel that I can only bring pain. I don't want to drag AG into pain and all these things. And it's just so annoying that that cyclic cycle of suffering that Ash seemed to have fought his way out of in the end, it's like, oh, and now AG and Singh are, are sad and suffering, like, almost yeah, a decade I mean, later. I have so many issues with this, choosing death being, like, the one thing he chooses, like, ah. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then there's a fact that he will live forever in AG's heart or whatever, but, you know, it, it will always be a bittersweet memory because... On one hand, yeah, Ash loves him and wants to remember him. But on the other hand, there's the pain of Ash not wanting, I mean, Ash not being there. So it's, it's just a way to make Ag being forever in pain. And that's that's so much. <laughs> I know. And he, all he has is like, Ash will live on in photos and a computer that Singh has to maintain forever. <laughs> ah, that's so much. From 1984 or whatever, you know, like. <laughs> it's too much. But in general, Ash and AG are really cute and I love their banter and I think they... They are a healthy relationship in a in a manga that is marred by very very unhealthy relationships generally. <laughs> yeah, I mean they both push each other to be to be better, and I like how they can act like they're a married couple in one second, and then like idiot boys their age at the next. It's it's just so good. Yes, they encompass the whole spectrum of human feelings that are possible when you love each other. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> oh, so Ash and AG, OTP, OTP forever. <laughs> <laughs> they deserve better. <laughs> yeah, so much better. Ash needed to stop reading Hemingway, and then he wouldn't have done this. <laughs> That's my conclusion. I believe Lanka. It's all his fault. It's all Blanca's <laughs> he fault. He got Ash into Hemingway. <laughs> I know. Gosh darn it. Okay. Well, aside from that, do you have any other final thoughts? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's so overwhelming. It's a lot. It's crazy. Banana fish is not afraid of any god. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. It's that it's stress in manga, but it also can be like extremely entertaining and funny like i lost count of how many times i laugh out loud like gosh that's not possible you're not human (laughs) it's so entertaining it's so good and the relationship between ash and ag it's one of my favorite relationships in fiction so 
I really love banana fish, but I also have, I mean, banana fish also has things that I really hate. So I'm kind of like forever trapped in hell. (laughs) (laughs) The thing you love the most is also the thing that drives you insane the most. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think uh, banana fish, I can definitely see why it's, it's something special. It's so, it's so compelling and... You know, even the parts where you're like, yeah, 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 I'm skimming the the gun shooting, you know, it's like, (laughs) you still need to know what happens after that. Like, you know, (laughs) you need to know. But anyway, I hope that this has been a good episode for everybody. So thanks again for listening to Shoujo and Tell. Comments, questions, constructive criticism, concerns, need to make fun of how many, how many, how much I can't say all those C's or, you know, want to go on your own long rant about that ending that how much it upset you. Maybe you like it. You know, somebody who likes it, come defend it to me. Sure. <laughs> Do it by emailing us at shoujointel at gmail.com or uh, leave a comment on shoujointel.com slash bananafish2. You could also leave it on one. It doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> you can write like a tweet thread at us. We're, we're at Shoujo and Tell on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, Marion, where can people find you on the internet and all the writing that you have done so far about the anime? <laughs> I have a blog on takushigoro.com where I very eloquently cry about banana fish. <laughs> <laughs> and um. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. My handle is eccentric Marion. Yeah, so it's just you doing cry emojis with a banana and a bluefish, right? That's the just emoji story every day. <laughs> uh, I think it's an accurate representation. <laughs> anyway, are you excited every time you see a new episode from us in your podcast feeds or on the YouTubes or wherever? <laughs> if so, please consider leaving us a rating in iTunes or Stitcher or or Google Play, or wherever podcasts are found and stars can be clicked. This will help the podcast reach more hearts, or at least ears. Thanks again for listening. Y'all gonna laugh at me, because next time we'll be doing Magic Night Ray Earth by Clamp. I know I have said this literally at least three times, so you don't believe me, but for real, it's gonna happen this time. That's what the next episode is gonna be. Stay tuned, so that you can see whether I actually did it or not. Until then, bye. Bye.